Welcome to Comic Virgin, the podcast that exposes a first-timer to the greatest comic stories ever printed on the formula page. From back alley vigilantes to space-faring demigods, none of their fingers in every tight little nook and cranny pop culture has to offer. And now, the hosts of Comic Virgin, Jason Stevens and Delaney Bowers. Hey everyone, welcome back to Comic Virgin. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. And I'm your other host, Big D, for uh, Delaney Bowers. So, I'm referencing you as Big D from here on out. Ooh, yes. yes. Big D, every, every episode from here on out, only Big D. Only Big D. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to date it. I mean, if somebody watches out of order, there'll be non-Big D-related situations. It's going to throw everything off. Well, I guess if you just want to call me Delaney, that's fine. Mm, Delaney Bowers. Archivist, folklorist, librarian, not a comic reader. Well, I don't. can I claim that now since I've read yeah. five comic books? I, you guys, I've read five. Pretty soon, you're going to be, you're going to be getting right through there. You're going to have read everything important in comic history, and uh, you're just going to be a walking sieve of comic knowledge and It's already starting juice. to seep in. I'm seeing patterns. I understand plot lines. Well, there's no need for this podcast anymore. Done. Bye. But for those of you listening for the first and apparently last time, uh, each week I give Delaney Bowers a new comic to her that she has never read. She checks it out, and then we record this podcast where she talks about it. I get to gush all over it. She gets to ask questions. It's, uh, it's a good time. It works out for both of us, really. It does. And today we are talking about something that if you are a longtime comic reader, you have probably checked out yourself or have heard about. It is, in fact... DC's Kingdom Come. Ooh, I feel like there should have been trumpets right there. there something have been. very like. If I was better at editing, I would have put some in there. It's but okay. I'm sure when they listen to this, there will be no trumpets because we're just bare bones, seat of the pants action right here at Comic Version. But it feels like we're heralding in something very big, right? Oh like- yes this this was a huge, huge miniseries. Uh, it came out, of course, starting in 1996, written by Mark Wade, who is no stranger to comic fans, with art by Alex Ross. That's which, all you need to know. Yes. This, I think this is my first introduction to Alex Ross, mm-hmm. and hopefully it is not my last. Alex Ross, uh, t- to be fair, doesn't have a massive library of work, mm-hmm. uh, lots of covers, very few books where he's done full interiors. I think it's just the time it takes. Right. I mean, this is like one of the first things that I noticed was just like how immaculately done the artwork mm-hmm. was. And I think that's why, like, if I'm going to gush over anything up front, it is the artwork. Oh, yes. And not only that, but this is all hand-done artwork. This isn't digitally created. He painted Every one of these pages, and, uh, oh, it's just beautiful. It was originally a four-issue miniseries. Of course, since then, um, there was one shot. They've done these collected editions, which is one that uh, Delaney read that has a lot of extra content in the back, including character designs and script pages. Um, Also, 
his version of Superman from the Kingdom Come universe, worked his way into the JSA comics for a couple of years uh, with Jeff Johns writing. Alex Ross did all the covers for those issues. And it's just, God, his art is so gorgeous. It's just, I, I, I mean, honestly, without words, you could just flip through this book. You, there would be a lot of things you wouldn't quite get the, the, the grasp on, but it would look fantastic. You're hovering like several inches above your chair. Like mm-hmm. hearts are coming out of your eyes. I can tell that you really um, have a connection. Oh yeah, just one of my favorite artists of all time. And I think it, he was. It just came out of like it just came out of nowhere. His art goes from you know pencil and inked awesome pages with cool. They started doing computer colored artwork. Like as you saw in in the Spawn comics you read, where they're starting to color with that more gradients and things. And then all of a sudden, boom. Here's this, like, all of his characters just look real. It just looks like real people. Mm -hmm. It's so great. It was so great. And uh, at the time, in all honesty, I was, uh, like, what, 14, 15 when this came out. I wasn't a big follower of DC Comics. I read Batman quite a bit. And, of course, during the 90s, Bat- they did the whole deal where Batman got his back broke. And Azrael took over as Batman before Bruce reclaimed it. Uh, they did The Death of Superman, which, of course, I read that. However, I did not follow DC Comics overall. This book in itself, Kingdom Come, not only did it... Uh, it made me appreciate the characters more and what they stood for. But also it caused me to go back and read previous storylines with some of these teams and some of these characters. So this this book itself kind of got me into that side of the comic universe. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I would say, hands down, this is my favorite series that we've read. Really? So far. Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, obviously besides the the panel work that was done that, like, the story arc was seamless. I didn't find any like major narrative hiccups, right? Like for me, it was very easy to follow along with. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought uh, as a result, the pacing was superb. Like I uh, originally I felt intimidated because the 2019 compilation that we have is massive. Yes. And so I thought um, I was going to have to slog through like six issues because that's been our standard, right? Mm-hmm. So which far, is, which is a primary miniseries standard for right. books, yeah. And so I was just like very apathetic about starting. I didn't have I didn't have any idea of what you know uh, was going to happen in these four issues, but like after literally the first page, I was completely sold. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, it is a limited series. Those four issues published between May and August of 96. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned before, uh, the edition that we have is so hefty because there's just like an impressive archive in the back of preliminary outlines and drafts and scripts. And uh, one of my favorite parts was there are descriptions of every single superhero that is featured in the books, mm-hmm. uh, original covers, and just like so much more. So I really do appreciate the time and effort that went into collecting and cataloging all of this additional source material. So already two thumbs up mm-hmm. from this sort of uh, virginal comic reader. Yes, and for those of you... Uh sitting with your headphones on or in your car and you're screaming right now, yes, we are aware of Marvels, and yes, Delaney will be reading it as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I've had several people already recommend that to me, and so I'm looking forward to that. You said that was also Alex mm-hmm. Ross who also was doing Alex that? Ross, yes. Perfect. 
Yeah, and I think another thing, too, is just, like, as you mentioned, it really sort of helped to round out characters for you or to sort of, you know, give them um, a foundation, maybe mm-hmm. something that you hadn't uh, come across before. But it was just like, yes, these are superheroes, and they are flawed, and they are prone to making catastrophic decisions just like regular people. Um and just that sort of um, binary of, like, the old guard versus the new guard yeah. is um, another trope that I feel like we have come across before. Mm-hmm. And so it is just really, at least on my part as a first-time reader, very exciting, again, to start recognizing these patterns or these, like, common themes um, that exist within the comic universe. Yeah, so... Um yeah, so like you said, initially, first page, you're... Yeah, I you're mean, so- I'm just, like, blown away because there is this, like, Armageddon, end of days, fire and brimstone, there's a prophetic connection. I'm just like, yes, count me in, you're speaking my love language. <laughs> um, and there's also just, like, an eagle with an American flag, and then behind that, there's a red-eyed bat. So we know from the get-go who we're dealing with mm-hmm. um, and as they start to play um, play out in, in later issues. Yeah, and, and so the book kicks off and there there are a lot of uh, uh, scripture verses put into this um, and it kind of shows like this hazy Armageddon-style battle with armies throwing down and they look like angels and demons, but it's just, it's just superheroes. And uh, a, a, lot, a lot of red, a lot of yellow, and then it just flips over as uh, to uh, a hospital room and, of course, a Bible being closed and a, and a man being comforted in his hospital bed. He's out of his damn mind. It turns out he is Wesley Dodds, who probably doesn't mean jack shit to you overall, but to comic readers, he is the Golden Age Sandman. Yes, I looked him up on Wikipedia because I was con- I thought he was the Sandman um, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I was like, hmm, I wonder what this connection is. I was just wrong. Mm-hmm. There was is wrong. there is some connection there between the two, and in the <laughs> Sandman series, uh, Neil Gaiman did connect the two somewhat. Yes. But, uh, yeah, Wesley Dodds' Sandman is more of like a one-two punch pulp hero action fest with his gas gun and his cool gas yeah, mask. Yeah, the gas gun is what I... And he's got his fedora mm-hmm. on. Yeah, it's great. I love it. And I think it said that he first debuted in 1939. Yes, so, he's I mean, one of he's the like, oldest yeah, heroes, yes. One of um, the original. Yes. So, like, you have him, he's envisioning these divine prophecies and he's sharing them with his pastor, right? Uh, yeah. Norman McKay. Norman McKay. Norman McKay, who is the... Uh, he's the everyman in this. He is the person that you are... In this series, seeing all of the events transpire, which we'll talk about as we go, a uh, cool little tidbit is that he was modeled after Alex Ross's father. That's so sweet. Yeah. I love a good family connection so in my comics. <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, Norman, like you mentioned, sort of serves as a witness to the upcoming apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, Wesley Dodds uh, does pass away, and so he's passing on these visions or sort of these prophecies to Norman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked how uh, there's this one sort of panel where Norman is talking about Wesley, sort of re- his memories, and this mention of like yesterdays, not tomorrows, of times bright, not barbaric. And so it's just like th- the 
the superhero world that Dodds remembers looks drastically different from the one that currently exists or could yes, exist. Yes, which becomes the entire arc of this this series as a whole is just, is that old guard, new guard, you know. Right. And um and yeah, so um you know, he passes away, there's a funeral, um there's they show that there's votes on uh, the UN acts more metahuman censures because they're trying to cut back on the superheroes and there's always an allusion to a lot of them retiring and giving it up. He's walking through the city, he's seeing stuff getting trashed, which is generally, I mean, in comics that's the thing. There's always fights, there's always stuff right. getting destroyed, and this just shows the people just the fact that they're having to deal with it, and also the fact that there are so many superheroes that being a human means nothing right. there's no more world series the last one is in 2002 there there's no sporting events there's nothing because the human abilities are a waste if you're not if a person can run almost the speed of light then what does any track star have to hold right yeah and i think it's really sort of um interesting to note that like this new generation of superheroes they're like the sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters of uh the original superheroes like Mm -hmm. in their heyday and so again fundamentally different from their predecessors and just like consumed with violence and greed and selfishness and like power for power's sake so i you know and i think it gets to a point where Dodds wanted so badly to be remembered Mm -hmm. rather than forgotten, right? Like he wanted the emphasis to be placed on the original superheroes rather than like this mess that it's become. And again, so that's like a trope that we saw in the dark Knight returns and also Marvel's civil war, right? Like just, I don't know. I'm again, plus For the comic industry and the comic industry at the time, it was very much a heavy-handed critique of comics at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Magog, who we'll talk about um, later on, I don't think they overly say it even in the notes, but he's based off of Cable, who is an X-Men character. He's got the metal arm, the one eye with with the scar, like pouches for no reason very 90s all, all of these characters like the the younger generation are all very um sharp edges shoulder pads for no reason pouches out the wazoo holsters everywhere which at the time there was a lot of that there were these guys like for a while there was like the punisher was like the guy with the guns and this became everybody had guns everybody's shooting everybody there's constant fights there's no real reason all mutants fight amongst each other even though they're supposedly like part of teams, and it's almost more of a uh, a critique of Marvel as compared to the classic DC books. Because even at the time with DC, they were still holding strong to those like you know classic attires, classic gear. At the, I mean, Superman had a mullet at the time, but other than that, mm-hmm. overall classic looks. Listen, I'm all about a useless pouch, so <laughs> I feel like I would um, might be in the new guard. At some point, Norman McKay um, heads to the Planet Krypton themed restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, which I just think is really funny. But it's 
another reminder, right? It really hits home that the superheroes of long ago have just become really like commodified or cheapened. It's sort of like a mockery that's going on in yeah. here. They're like, just like they're like safe. They're right. Yeah. There's nothing that is like troublesome about them. They they play by the rules. You know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, we see this planet Krypton at um, at the end of the series too, but. It just sort of, it made me chuckle that, like, this is what it's become. It's so sanitized, and it's so safe. Yeah, and now if you go to Disney or Universal Studios, you can see something similar for both of the large publishers. And now we'll <laughs> never be sponsored by Disney. Damn it. Dang it. We're so close. <laughs> we do have this full page of the new metahumans who are, like, flipping cars and buses. They mm-hmm. are fighting in the streets. There's, like, little care and concern for those that they are supposed to protect. I mean, it's just like yeah. no oversight, no control. There are sure like lasers like, everywhere. There are no villains on this page. It is just hero battling hero. Right. Because th- there's just nothing for them to do. Because they can. They have yeah. no accountability. And that was one of like Dodds's sort of laments, right? It's like, what what good are they? Yeah. What what are they supposed to do? Are they how how do they find balance? And then you get like a double page splash. Of course, they're all battling. They're all fighting. Norman's on the street and he sees a little girl about to be crushed. No one's helping. So he runs to help her. And um, it's all pulled away from me by the fact that uh, I remember seeing this guy for the first time uh, with the triple sixes tattooed mm-hmm. on his uh, one in each peck on his face mm-hmm. and his pierced nipples. And I remember when I first saw this. I think that was one of the first male pierced nipple images I had witnessed into my eye holes. Now, since then, mm-hmm. there have been countless millions of pierced man nipples in my face. Mm-hmm. But this was one of the first. Thanks a lot, Alex Ross. Was there a little stirring? Was, uh, you know, teenage Jason a little curious about getting his own nipples pierced? I mean, it makes you wonder. He's also got a cybernetic arm. It's like, how far can you go? How far can you go? Not far enough, apparently. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, and as this fight goes through, um, everyone's kind of brought to a standstill by a massive uh, screen giving the news of some type of tragedy. It shows like a target and says Kansas. And for DC readers, they know that's where Superman's from. Mm-hmm. I was going to say their spidey senses went up, but I don't think that's appropriate for... No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe. I think Forgive me. Yeah, Marvel's going <laughs> to shut this down. Ugh. Ugh. Oh no! But they don't—they don't mention it outright just yet. No, no, no. Yeah. So it's there's just everyone looking. You can mm-hmm. tell there's some type of tragedy that has occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it throws to to church. Right. So Norman McKay again, as a reminder, he's a pastor. So he has a crisis of faith. So like this event that happened is shatters his worldview enough. Um, that he gives this sort of like fire and brimstone sermon and that's not the typical sort of like status quo uh, sermon that he's known for giving and it makes mention that like his congregation just feels really let down by that. They're also all in their 70s. Well, listen. (laughs) But, and I think, (laughs) I think the part of that is the fact that if you're walking around and people are covered in fire and flying you know would you need to go to church to see gods you know so that right. maybe you know a, a nod to the you know the older generation you know holding on 
But there are no young people in this congregation <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but uh, very quickly after that, we are um, introduced to a specter, right? Is his name just Spectre? The Spectre. The Spectre. The Spectre. Um, who we find out must anchor himself to a human soul in order to carry out a punishment for those who will be responsible for bringing about the end of the world. Yes, the specter is the god. Uh, he's he's God's hand of vengeance. The sword of God, basically, is the specter. Uh, in in comics back in the day, of course, he had his own. He had his own run, and he was anchored um, kind of like the way they've done with Thor in the past, where there was a human, and then he would turn into the specter, and the specter would take over and do stuff. Um, in this. The Spectre even talks about he's gotten to a point where he's just lost all ties, basically, to humanity at this point. So it's almost like God has told him, you have to go do this. Right. And so um, he's there's a vision. At this point, <laughs> um, and I think we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier off mic before that, we started. Are you talking about the fact that the Spectre is nude under that cloak? Mm, that I, we didn't get to that point, but it was going to be made. He's hanging dong, and Norman's one of the first things he sees. You know, in this fo- in this image where he's looking up and the light shining in his face, he knows if the specter circumcised or not. Get out of here. Okay, so the specter mm-hmm. is sort of aiding Norman McKay with prophetic visions, right? So this is the visions that he's seeing are something that could potentially happen. Is that right? Yeah. And and we find out that he had originally given them to Wesley Dodds. Gotcha. And he passed away and Wesley actually passed them on to Norman unknowingly. Okay. So that, okay. So all of that really sort of just like works itself out. I think that was the only one old man to a second old man. Yes, of course. The lineage (laughs) of old men. Um, I think that was the only part that confused me a little bit Mm -hmm. um, as I continued reading, but glad it got cleared up now. Perfect. After um, we have Norman and the Spectre, we are uh, once again looking at good old Superman, right? Yeah, the the, the first uh, full shot. And he is looking buff as hell yeah. in this. Okay, so we have rugged Superman mm-hmm. um, in Kingdom Come versus... Sort of that, like, Harlequin romance novel Superman from The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm thinking of? No. Yeah, the Dark Knight Returns, yeah. Yeah, Or yeah, that's right. Where yeah. he's, like, majestically on his horse. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, do you have a preference? Which one would you rather uh, take on a date? And then which one would you rather marry? Um, I would probably both Kingdom Come Superman because Dark Knight Returns Superman is a bootlicker. Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. This rugged Superman all the way. I love it. Um, but he's here mm-hmm. in Kansas. With a ponytail. With a ponytail. And a beard. I put, um, on one of my Instagram stories... Mm-hmm. Uh, is this ponytail doing Superman any favors? <laughs> and the overwhelming... Was there a poll? <laughs> yes, it was a poll. Mm-hmm. Overwhelming majority, absolutely not. <laughs> Sorry, Clark. <laughs> There's one angle, I think, um, in a few pages where it just looks terrible. Yes. From behind. Ugh, his neck is too beefy for such a slim ponytail. 
I'm putting it out there. Yes. And I, I called him Clark, but uh, oh, mm-hmm. after the awesome image of him lifting a tractor, uh, we see Diana, a Wonder Woman, coming to basically try to talk him into coming out of seclusion off his farm to uh, come help out with the world. And she calls him Clark, and he doesn't like it. He wants to be called Cal mm-hmm. because obviously he's kind of given up his humanity at this point, going by his Kryptonian name. Yeah, so he's been off the grid at this point for 10 years following an event that caused him to sort of like flee or renounce being um, a superhero. Mm-hmm. And I think there's always this like underlying tension, right, between Wonder Woman and Superman. There's like like some sexual tension that's happening. At, at this time, there was sexual tension. Mm-hmm. And now in the comics... Oh, they were just completely together for years in the oh, New Fifty Two, okay. and like gotcha. it's and in in the Dark Knight Returns universe, uh, mm-hmm. they have multiple children together. It's yeah, so um, and here they are. Here they are in this one though. It's, it's another universe, so they're able to tease it again for the first time. And we said, or or it's called Elseworlds. Yes, Elseworlds is DC. They've used that as their imprint for a while for stories that don't quite fit in their regular universe, but they use the characters from them. So, um, in DC, they've called it the multiverse. They they called it like the fifty two. There were like fifty two different Earths, and they numbered them all. The way it's set up now, after. Um, I'm just spewing word garbage towards you now, but after Death Metal, um, mm-hmm. now the universe is set up as uh, an infinite amount of multiverses. Mm-hmm. They all exist. They've all existed. The Watchmen has its own DC universe. Dark Knight Returns is its own DC universe. Um, they're all set up differently. Kingdom Come is its own world. And... Uh, there are some pretty famous uh, Elseworlds tales like Red Sun, where what would happen if uh, the rocket sent from Krypton landed in uh, Soviet Russia and Superman was raised by the Russians. Uh, which Actually, that's probably one of the most famous Elseworlds tales. Um, and Kingdom Come fits with that. However, pre-New 52, whenever the DC Universe was the same DC Universe that they had like, since the 60s, uh, up through like the early 2000s, they started to bring Kingdom Come elements into that universe, basically saying that, like, this is all going to come to pass. They introduced characters from this. They The Superman symbol, the Superman from this was there. A whole thing. Uh, anyway, I'm talking about that now. Let's talk about this weird hangar farm. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, surrounded by an electrical grid. Is that right? I, I think it's just a hologram. Like, it's a hologram of the sky that she turns off, and he's like, you're spooking the horses. Yeah, I And then he turns it back on. It, he's he's inside the Fortress of Solitude, okay. which is in, like, the Arctic. But he apparently has, like... It, so, okay, so Superman... Delaney's like, what? Oh my gosh, this is going to be a 95-minute long episode, I, I, and okay. I'm ready for it. Super, <laughs> su- Superman not only is... Uh, is an alien that came to Earth and is gifted with every superpower imaginable. He's also a super genius and has some technology from Krypton. So he has this fortress of solitude in the Arctic, full of all kinds of bullshit, kind of like a bat cave, except it's just, you know, his man cave, his superman cave. Um, But he creates things there uh, because he's also kind of a super scientist. Basically, any writer can choose anything they want to for Superman and make it fit because... He's the proto-superhero. Except 
Except when it comes to magic. That's the one thing I know about that's Superman. That's right. John Constantine can fuck up Superman. Listen, if there's anything to take away, it's Delaney Bowers knows mm-hmm. that Superman is weak against magic which you get to see later on in yeah there's like a little sword (laughs) touching and that's it like i got it i got that (laughs) reference and i was very proud of myself so yeah so he's basically been hidden away in the arctic and he has this fully functioning farm just as a wing of his secret fortress interesting so he's not like physically in kansas no no because he would be aware Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. Which uh, is a beautiful segue into yes. our uh, introduction to a superhero, super villain, um, Magog. Yeah, Magog. Magog. Yeah. It. I mean, it's it's a biblical reference, Gog and Magog. Um, but yeah, Magog is how I've always pronounced it. I may be wrong. I'm sure there's people who pronounce it otherwise. Okay. Magog. I feel like Mugog sounds just, I don't know. Mugog of these nuts. Okay, so. (laughs) We're not naming the episode that. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, so we are introduced to Magog, and we learn um, that there's, like, the total decimation of Kansas as a result of, like, an atomic explosion that he has caused by killing another superhero. Yeah, so, and you're going to. Similar, of course, Civil War came out years later. Mm-hmm. So you could say Civil War borrowed some of Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. But basically, a team of untrained, reckless superheroes take on a supervillain they think they can destroy, which in this case is the Parasite. He's emaciated. But his power is, basically, he touches you and latches onto you like a leech and then drains your power. He was a big Superman um, I've villain. I've had several uh, boyfriends like that, so yes. I get it. <laughs> Well, they're taking him on. He's trying to give up. They're refusing. So he lashes out and grabs Captain Adam, who is, well, atomic, tearing his outer suit and causing literally atoms to split and an atomic explosion. Gotcha. So this um, explosion upended trade and it killed millions. And like now the farmlands of Kansas are just barren wastelands. Yeah, like all of Kansas, several of the states around it are Mm -hmm. affected. We're talking every person, every animal, every crop, America's farmland, done. Yeah, their breadbasket out of breadsticks, yeah. baby. Magog survived. Naturally. <laughs> and so now the world needs Superman's help. Yeah, to basically to rein in these motherfuckers. Right. These quote-unquote superheroes who are just causing havoc. And so... They need a daddy. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, well then I'm going to keep saying. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. We have um, another sort of introduction. The Spectre is um, speaking with Norman uh, at this point about the other key figures, right, who are going to come into play for the rest of this series. Mm -hmm. So we have Flash, Hawkman, Green Lantern, um, and Batman. Yes. One, two, three, four. And then we have uh, Superman, uh, Wonder Woman... And there's like a seventh, right? Because they mention seven angels altogether. Yeah. Um, it's okay. We'll we'll figure it out sooner or we'll later. We'll see them, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> well, Red Robin is with them, but I don't know if he mm-hmm. counts as that. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that's interesting, at least for me, is that we sort of uh, get a glimpse of Batman and how he is keeping Gotham under control. 
through like highly sophisticated tech and policing methods. Mm-hmm. And you just have these like massive robots that are like rolling around Gotham. Yeah. Um, these big, these big bat drones, and they uh, these have become sort of canon as well in several DC stories. Okay. Yeah. And so, at this point, we have uh, Superman's triumphant return. Mm-hmm. Where he is capturing these villains and metahumans who have been causing sort of like wanton destruction. Yeah, conceivably, none of them are super villains. Conceivably, they're, they're all, all just, heroes. They're all heroes. They're just fighting to be fighting, and they're fighting on top of a cable car full of people. Yeah, and then like there's this massive like uh, tidal wave that goes over a bridge, and everyone's like screaming, and there's again death and destruction and. Superman, you see him uh, come up, and he's holding, I think, Harley Quinn. And, oh, that—that's uh, it's not Harley Quinn, but it's it's some Joker esque gotcha. thing. Yeah, it, it's, he, it's it's one of the new heroes, and he just looks um, so sort of regal in yeah. this pose. Uh, the big water tornado thing is Superman. Oh, he's, who, that's who's he's coming spinning forward. at such a high rate of speed that he he catches the cable car and puts it under a bridge because Superman can literally do anything. That makes a lot more sense. Okay, I see what's going on, Superman. Yeah, and then you get to see him for the first time with the new chess logo, the black and red. You really love this thing. I do. It's super simple. I mean, not that the Superman S uh, is overly complicated. I drew it. In elementary school, one billion times. Very mm-hmm. simple. But this is just such a pared-down, easily shown thing. Uh, but also, I don't know. There's part of me. That, it reminds me of um, during the death of Superman, they had the comics that came out, and they had a black armband in them that had – it was black with the red – just the red logo, like, to wear on your arm, like, in solidarity for the death of Superman. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um and this just reminds me of that. And while it, it's not that necessarily, I don't know. It's just very, I don't know, authoritarian? I don't know. I don't. There's something oh, about it. There's something okay. about it. But Norman um, McKay says that, like, the people who have been devastated by all of this violence, like, their faith has been rewarded, right? So, like... Superman has returned to signal like he's going to save the day mm-hmm. when in reality he's actually signaling the beginning of Armageddon. Yes. And, and, and I love that. And Norman gets a glimpse of Superman screaming in this inferno, mm-hmm. um, which he has already done a couple times in this book so far. So it's, it's an image that just keeps getting burned into his brain and it's obviously not on the way out. And that's the end of book one. End of book one. End of book one. At the beginning of um, book two, we see a superhero named Commando <laughs> yeah. and his Minutemen, <laughs> and they're hacking war on immigrants, and it's so just like... It does have a eerily uh, contemporary feel to it. Yes. And so another sort of... They're attempting to machine gun people into the water. Yeah, like... Outside the Statue of Liberty. Outside the Statue of Liberty, yes. And so I think it's sort of... um, I don't... Interesting isn't really the word that I want to use here. But, like, we have Superman's sort of, like, version of his, like uber nationalism patriotism and his drive to bring peace right mm-hmm. versus like america mando's actual fascism and 
uber conservative approach to power. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that, like, I mean, even in this, in these just few panels, right, these few pages, I, I feel like that point is driven home very succinctly. Yes. Also, the, the, the background details in this are so well done. Um, the Statue of Liberty is also, I mean, obviously, we've seen it in a million movies. It's the site of many a battle. Uh, the front of her chest is busted open. Lobo, the intergalactic bounty hunter, has spray-painted Lobo was here on her chest. And under the foot of America Commando, who is on the uh, like the tiara of the Statue of Liberty, there is a handprint in the concrete where powerhouses have just been throwing down all over Lady Liberty at some point. And then you're rewarded yes. with the splash of splashes. It is quite beautiful we have the justice league and all their glory right so i think those are the seven angels all of them are there they are descending from the sky ready to kick some ass Mm -hmm. and you also um have the reactions by sort of like innocent bystanders and just like people of the world and i it's just it is it's beautiful like their arms are outstretched this yeah this dissension from unknown worlds or like you know from space it's just i don't know it is it's beautiful yeah it's a beautiful page and this is this is the tiny squad he has initially mm-hmm. so of course you got superman in the middle with his new with his new outfit you've got wonder woman to his side uh behind them is um the ray two i believe so son of the ray uh you've got hawkman who at this point is basically the embodiment of a hot god uh you've got power girl and the Flash, who's just vibrating at super speeds, he just never stops. And Green Lantern, who very much looks like a knight. He's got uh, he's using the willpower to create a massive claymore sword. And that is the Alan Scott, the original version of Green Lantern, whose weakness was wood. Oh, <laughs> he couldn't be stopped. He couldn't stop wood. I, surely, at this point, he's figured that out. That feels like an M Night Shyamalan. Uh, oh no, the aliens are defeated oh, by water. Um, <laughs> The other Green Lanterns, like Hal Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, yellow. Just like the color yellow? Yeah, the color yellow. Yeah. So a Green Lantern has had some very base weaknesses in the past. I don't have any response <laughs> <laughs> for that. So we have this battle that ensues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, between the Minutemen and um, Superman and the Justice League. Can I call them the Justice League? Am I yeah, allowed I to call that, them that? I think that? it's completely fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what they do best is mm-hmm. uh, kick ass, take some names, and they defeat them, uh, you know, sort of single-handedly, very readily. Yes, without killing a bunch of innocent people. Yes. At this point, Superman is like, hey, we have to go to the UN building, right? Yes. Like, this has become uh, a crisis on an international scale. So, he goes to the UN building, he's addressing the press, and... I just think it's, you know, we have his unending desire to right the wrongs of metahumans. And this is the part, God bless Superman, but like, (laughs) he's such a Boy Scout, right? He's so wholesome to like, sometimes uh, a really like upsetting He's almost like, like a caricature of like... Yeah. Yeah, of like a good guy. Yeah, yeah. And so he has so much faith in the new breed of superheroes. And like, I would say that he overestimates their desire for change 
uh, or to be taught, like, the correct way to protect the world. Like, he's so gung-ho that, like, reform is on the way. There Mm -hmm. can be peace. Like, let me teach them how to be proper superheroes. Yes. And as a small aside, the UN building uh, for this is uh, based off of the Super Friends building that they used as a as a team building in the um, the animated series that came out like in the seventies, uh, which is a building based off an actual building in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, nice! Yeah. We are so close to Cincy. Mm-hmm. Uh, day trip, staycation. <laughs> also, um, for those eagle eyes who have uh, also read Marvels. Uh, ben Ulrich, who is the everyman of Marvels, is one of the reporters. He's got the eye patch with the uh, glasses on. He's in two of the panels here with the reporters reporting on DC. <laughs> Eagle eyes. Eagle eyes. After this, a sort of like passionate address. Mm-hmm. We have Superman who visits good old Bruce Wayne yeah. in the Batcave I, for the first time in a decade. I mean, he he so didn't want to go have to talk to Batman mm-hmm. that he did a press conference at the UN building before having to make this trek. <laughs> and one of the first things I noticed, God, they're still petty as all get out, right? They're tossing mm-hmm. little barbs at each other. And they are just, like, arguing over the best way to demand order and control and safety. And it's like, do they ever give it a rest? No. No, they don't. No, they don't. It's eternal. Their bickering is nonstop. They're the world's finest. They're the yin and the yang. I guess. You can't have one without the other. But boy, oh boy, it does get tiresome. (laughs) After they have, you know, I I, th- I think what happens during this point is, like, Superman sort of reaches out to Bruce Wayne to see if he would be interesting, interested in joining Yeah, I think Justice he just League. assumed he was going to. Right, and because, Bruce is like, yeah, no way. Because he's managed to bring Dick Grayson in, who's Red Robin at this point. Um, and Bruce mentions that, mm-hmm. but he's just like... No, I'm good. And he has his own, like, he has his own gang of, like, tech experts who are, like, helping him build whatever he wants to to keep the streets of Gotham safe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So his crew um, is uh, Oliver Queen, who's Green Arrow, who you probably, he looks pretty similar to his Dark Knight Returns look, Ah, the balding and all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Dinah Prince, who is Black Canary. Who has the power? Like she, the the screaming vocals is like her power. Uh, who's long time like Green Arrow Flame, Ooh. and then Ted Cord, who's kind of a nerdy dude. Uh, he's the he was the original Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Or, or the, he's the second Blue Beetle. But yeah, the Blue Beetle, and he's basically a tech based hero. Not that he had like a, an armored suit, but like um, Night Owl from The Watchmen for the film was based very closely around the second Blue Beetle. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe him, really. He's just kind of like a nerdy guy who has money. But does he look like a beetle in, at all? No, just kind of some design elements on his suit. No, not oh, really. I'm let down by that. He's a, he's a very smiley superhero. He teamed up with Booster Gold a lot. They're kind of a buddy team deal. Um, you don't see a smiley superhero very often. No, and he's not... Well, he's not been overly successful, that's why. Oh, Guys, don't smile. Don't smile. Any chance of success, be as frowny. Well, you get a super creepy smile from someone later in this. Yes, yes. yes. (laughs) 
So once uh, Bruce Wayne says, no, thank you, Superman. Get the hell out of my Batcave. Yes. We see uh, the Mankind Liberation Front. That's our next sort of like massive gathering. And it's just a bunch of... Super villains. Is that like the term mm-hmm. that I can use for these people? Yeah, I think they. I think they could be labeled as super villains. I mean, a, at least most of them are definitely ex super villains. At one okay. time, they you know they were costumed. Uh, a lot of these characters were part of the Legion of Doom, which was Lex Luthor's team originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Cobra, Catwoman, Riddler is there. Lex Luthor is there, mm-hmm. and so they are scheming up a dastardly plan to arm metahumans. To ramp up the tensions between regular humans yes. and uh, metahumans with the overall goal that humans will reign supreme, right? They will finally take back their power? Yeah, is that right? I think the plan is, is to give so much weaponry and stuff to the heroes that humans will get so fed up with it Yes, that they'll just insist on war with them. Okay. Basically. So, but there's like a lot of bloodshed as a natural result. But yes. either way, the Mankind Liberation Front, the MLF, will yes. come out on top. And off camera, we talked, I was like, ah, oh, we won't need to bring it up. But you know what? We will because I got something to talk about it. Okay. Okay. How would you pronounce the name of the heir of Ra's al Ghul? Oh, no. It's not in front of me. Okay. Well, it's X U F F A S C H. It's like Ibn Azufrash? Yes. Well, regardless of what his name is... Um, you told me not to take notes because I wouldn't have to pronounce it, and now I'm very mad. I looked up how to pronounce it on YouTube, and you were like, there's no way we're ever going to talk. This is not yeah. important. Well, it's important in, in this for the story it's not, but for just a fun, trivial thing it is. Um, he's the heir to Ra's al Ghul because his mom is Talia al Ghul, who was Ra's daughter. His dad is Bruce Wayne. Oh, this is the son. This is the son. It, it, apparently, supposedly, in whatever language real or imagined this is, it equals to son of the bat. Mm. Um, son of the demon is Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. But um, and interestingly, in the comics, like currently, Damien. Damien is the son from that pairing of him and Talia. And he was raised by the League of Assassins, and then he was sent to live with his dad. And so now he's become Robin, and Damien Wayne is like, people love him. He's great, great character they've introduced. This was years and years before that, mm-hmm. and uh, this was them, I think, trying it out, like seeing how, how it would play out. And then this was his character never brought up again. Mm-hmm. Like, they just like, nope. We're going Damian Wayne. That's it. I wonder if he uh, felt betrayed, just like I feel betrayed by you right now. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> just like the meeting that's about to occur, you should have known some betrayal was going to happen. I suppose so, because right now we have an ace up the sleeve. Is that the? Is that a good like? Yeah, I think I think so. Okay, a- ace in the hole for Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yes, is the Captain of Lightning and Thunder himself, Shazam. Yes. Right? I have well, no... Captain have, Marvel. Captain Marvel, okay. Over the past few years, due to Marvel getting movies made, <laughs> they've changed his name to Shazam. Uh, they did the movie, of course. However, it, Shazam is the name of the wizard who gives him his powers. He also uses the code word Shazam 
to turn from Billy Batson into the superhero. So if his name was Shazam, every time he said his name, he would just be changing back and forth. Um, in this, he's still Captain Marvel. Okay, yes. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. But no connection with, like, the Marvel. No, no, and that's I why that's it was why changed. I was very confused. Even though he has been around with comics, I mean, he's been around since, like, 50s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's all about popular perception. Was this a really big deal to have him um, be, a, be a part of the MLF? Like, having his character in this series, was that sort of a, mm. a revelation? Or people were just like, well, yeah, naturally. For DC readers, no, no. He's like, you think Clark Kent's like white bread good guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Captain Marvel is like straight up, dimply faced, happy go lucky. Big red cheese, super smiling all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but very successful, even though he was smiling. Yes. For me, when I read this initially, not being a huge DC guy, I didn't know who this was at first. I mean, I've read this several times over the years since, and of course I know, and it makes more more sense now. And this is a big deal that he is with Lex Luthor. Right. Because just knowing how powerful okay shazam is or captain marvel yeah i think all of that was just lost on me because yeah. i didn't know oh it was like i say it was same for me when mm-hmm. i was like 14 minutes same for me i you know i was like i, I kind of recognized him but i didn't get the gist of how big a deal it was until you know that fourth book or whatever right as we move away from this meeting uh, we see Superman, who has gone, is this like to an underground club? This is a, a super sexy hero rave where they're just drinking and, I'm assuming, banging on the tables. And he recruits some, like, questionable superheroes. Are these superheroes of a new generation? Yeah, this is all 100%. Well, it's not all new generation. Um, mm-hmm. As it goes through, well, one, he uses heat vision to destroy all the alcohol bottles because he's a teetotaler. Um, God, what a wet blanket. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know it. Um, all of the young heroes are here seeing him, but there are several old heroes. Well, there are some heroes, like the village people, who are just here. But mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. who can deny the village people their power in a disco situation? Um, but you do see a couple of kind of, um, let's say, out of shape people in the background. Okay. One of those is, in fact... Lobo. He looks kind of like the clown from uh, Spawn, but but that is Lobo, who we saw pages earlier has spray painted his name on the Statue of Liberty. Lobo was here. <laughs> He's just hanging out with the kids, getting drunk, probably trying to you know regale them with stories of the old days. Mm-hmm. Probably trying to get a little handy. Can't blame the guy. I but bet. all these other ones, new heroes, new heroes. Okay. So we have. Um Yes, again, Superman recruiting these folks to join his ranks. Mm. He, he to gives, just, like, he bolster gi- his numbers. He gives his stuff and leaves, and then Green Arrow shows up to give his pitch. Okay, they, one of these um, ladies makes reference to Apocalypse. Yes. Uh, I don't know what that is. Okay, Apocalypse is a world, uh, a war world. It's basically this world that looks just like uh, Destruction. It's the world that Darkseid is ruler of. Um, The Snyder Justice League, Darkseid was in, Apocalypse was trying to come to Earth and make Earth into an apocalypse setting with the parademons and all that. Uh, Basically, big, tough space bad guys is Apocalypse. Okay. Yeah. 
So here we have um, going from like a super sexy above ground club mm-hmm. and uh, the superheroes sort of like always find themselves reaching out for um, assistance from their underwater brethren. Yes. Um, and Aquaman at this point is like, absolutely not. Yeah. Bye, bitch. He, he and Mara, they're just king and queen. He doesn't even do the superhero gimmick anymore. He talks about how he's passed it off. And he's just like, I got all the oceans to deal with. Right. And so I, you know, it's both Superman and Wonder Woman who uh, make this journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wonder Woman sort of reveals that she's been stripped of her royalty and her heritage sort of due to her failure as an ambassador for the Amazons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's not... Ar- Arthur brings that up as, like, mm-hmm. someone who also rules people, and she's just like, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's just very sort of, like, nonchalant. And they go into it a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, here we have the sexual tension again between Superman and Wonder Woman. It was just, like, so snoozy to oh, me. yeah. Like, they're, like, passion. And then you've got... Uh, old Red Arrow and old Wonder Girl looking on from the doorway. It's, yeah, it's just very, very it's, off-putting. It's, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't. <laughs> Wonder Girl looks that. older than Diana, which she's probably, I mean, Diana is a god, so I mean, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, she has a great skincare <laughs> routine. This is uh, Magog, I think, mm-hmm. has been found destroying dusty cabins in Kansas. Is this what's that, going that's on? That's not his intention. Okay. Um, I think his intention is to set it up. Like, he's trying to repair some of the damage. And then Ooh. it breaks, and then he just he just loses it and shoots it with his staff because he's super pissed. Because, I mean, once they get into talking about it, too, Superman comes at him from that, like, thinking he's, like, bragging or, like... And Magog's real quick to let him know that, like... Right. Like, this is some bullshit. Like, he didn't want this. Right. And so this is the part that I think is actually really important. We we finally get the backstory concerning Magog and Superman. Like, the thing, the big event that took place uh, ten years prior. Mm-hmm. So we learn that Magog killed the Joker. Like, murdered yeah, him. The, the Joker was in handcuffs. And Magog walked up gotcha. and shot him through the chest. Okay, because <laughs> at this point, the Joker had murdered 93 people. Yes. I think including Clark Kent's love interest. Lois Lane. Oh. <laughs> Did you? Were you on a... Are you no. putting it together now? <laughs> yes, I suppose. I just forgot that was her yes, name. They actually did this uh, comic. Uh, I'm sure somebody listening to the podcast can send us a, a message on Instagram at Comic Virgin Pod and let us know where it was. Because I remember reading it. But there was a one-shot story that shows the Joker going into the Daily Planet and gassing everyone. Um, Superman shows up to stop him, but of course Superman doesn't kill. Right. And Magog just ends him. Yeah, and so I think that like is the perfect example that highlights such a radical difference in approach to justice, right? So we have like Magog who is eradicating evil through just like cold-blooded murder. Yeah. And Superman, you know, this little uh, sort of like... He's teaching a tough lesson, but he lets these folks live. But at the same time, that lesson still falls on Batman's shoulders as well. I mean, yes. how many hundreds of people did the Joker kill over the years? And then he just gets put into Arkham Asylum. He breaks out again, kills a ton more people. And it just, that dance keeps on going. And then this time he just went to Metropolis and just fucked everybody up. Right. And so the fact that Magog killed him after he was, a, it wasn't like in battle. Mm-hmm. 
The Joker was arrested, and Magog just kills him while two cops are holding him still. And then Magog just gets, he just lets himself be arrested. Yeah. He knows he murdered, and he's done, but popular opinion wins out. Yeah, ultimately, he's acquitted. Mm -hmm. And so he now serves as, like, this representation for a new future of metahumans. So, like, but it gets to this really sort of, like, um, sort of curious panel for me. Like, Superman and Magog are, like, arguing. And Magog sort of, like, not so secretly wants to die as... You know, like, all the people he's killed, yeah, he, like, they continue to haunt him. He, he feels guilty over, I mean, knowing that he killed, a, like, over a million people. And he mm-hmm. would, in his head, he was trying to do something good. He was just fighting the parasite. He was just doing right. a superhero thing. Mm-hmm. And all that death, yeah, he, he's got a death wish. And speaking of all that death, um, when Superman first meets Batman in the cave, they talk about how Bruce probably has nothing to do because some character called Genocide, but it's spelled... Uh, G-E-N-O-S-Y-D-E, very 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they probably put a Z in there somewhere. Um, blew up Arkham Asylum, Bell Reef Prison, and Blackgate Prison, which are basically the three places in the DC Universe where you put bad guys. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, yeah, Magog basically kicked off just, mur- just murder of anyone perceived as a supervillain. Mm-hmm. After this, uh, I well, is there like a resolution there? What does uh, Superman decide to do? He just sort of well, like... He, he doesn't really show it. Well, that, that's the thing. The resolution is the next part. Like, Magog basically says... He's almost saying sorry, like, kill me, whatever. Right. Superman thinks he can turn him like he can everyone. Ugh, classic So Superman. then Superman has an idea. And to work on that idea... He goes to the fires of Apocalypse. Okay, so here we have Apocalypse. Uh, he's speaking with Orion. Orion, who is the son of Darkseid. Dark At this side. point, Darkseid is dead. Orion. Now, Orion, um, in the in the DC Comics, is a hero because in the... Um, okay, so in the comics... <laughs> this is going to be a, a DC history lesson for someone who doesn't really read a lot of DC. Okay, there's New Genesis, which is the world of the new gods... And there is Apocalypse, which is the world of dark side. So kind of think heaven and hell. Gotcha. You know, and it's popu- populated mm-hmm. with, with beings, with power. Those worlds are constantly at war. So to keep, to keep a stalemate going, the um, god or king of... Um, New Genesis. New Genesis. Yes! I'm helping you already. <laughs> yes. Trades his son mm-hmm. with Darkseid for his infant son. Mm-hmm. So Orion is raised with the new god. So he's raised as a hero. And he's like super powerful and awesome. He's got this cool sled and this helmet. But if he starts to lose control, his face like warps and he becomes like savage because he's the son of Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Scott Free, because that's how they name people back in the yes, day. okay. Mm-hmm. Is known as Mr. Miracle. He gets taken in by Darkseid. Okay, Orion is raised like like a new god, mm-hmm. raised happy, scot-free, put in the chambers, granny goodness, costly torturing him, putting in all these weird uh, devices he has to break free from. He becomes the world's, the universe's greatest escape artist, Mr. Miracle. Um, the only thing you need to worry about for that is that Orion is just like, nope, world's fucked, you're not going to be able to fix it, Superman, the way you think. And then he recruits Big Barda, who's the wife of Mr. Miracle, 
and Mr. Miracle, Mr. Scott Free, to build him the thing he has planned. Yes. yes. Okay, well, that's good, because uh, those several pages, I was like, two, this is like two... Uh, maybe like sci-fi-ish yes. for me. It just like this, it, it fell super flat. This is all stuff that like Jack Kirby, one of the original creators of the Marvel Universe, he was the original artist on Fantastic Four. Whenever he left Marvel, he created the new gods and did all this wild, crazy stuff. Um, he also created the Eternals at Marvel. He's very much into like this high-level sci-fi god type things. Gotcha. Um, yes, when I first read this, not being a big DC kid a lot of this confused me as well right. it's just over the past several years have i like when i read this just today to catch up i was like oh yeah okay i forgot that he was like i'm sure when i read this originally i thought this was dark side i have no fucking idea yeah no idea <laughs> i was just like mm, jason will explain it to me later i don't have to worry about it right <laughs> yes. now but basically then they show a stronghold of justice superman is planning let's not call it a camp it's <laughs> they use the term gulag. They use the term gulag a lot. But mm-hmm. basically, it's a place to put these superheroes that he can't control right away and re-educate them, per se. It's just not a good look. It's overall. really not. It's not. I mean, you see his intention. Mm-hmm. His intention is just he's going to calm it down. But let's mm-hmm. face it, putting people into any type of cell and then telling them to change their lifestyle, not the best answer. I would um, agree with you. I would on say that one. it's hist- not even a hot take. I just yeah, agree with you. I would you. say history shows us <laughs> not a good plan. Yes. Uh, but maybe a good plan. Mm-hmm. Batman is now in league with the Mankind Liberation Front That's as right. a means to exact uh, revenge on Clark Kent. Bruce shaking hands with Lex Luthor, mortal enemy, both rich beyond their wildest dreams, able to do whatever they want with their money. Batman became a bat. Lex Luthor just became richer and richer and richer. Okay, so I don't think this is a super spoiler alert. This has been out for like, what? Uh, 25-ish years. (laughs) It's affected the 30-year decade. I just feel like we, we all had to know this was a setup, right? Did anyone like really buy into the idea? Even when I read it for the first time, I was like, oh, Batman, there's no way that Batman would ever be in cahoots with Lex Luthor. Mm, I think when I originally read it, I was just playing it straight as I was just going with it. You just reading it. But I think that's because... Batman is Bruce in all these panels. Granted, he's wearing the weird bottom piece of the Darth Vader helmet and his mm-hmm. exoskeleton, but he is Bruce Wayne. Well, I mean, I guess technically he's Batman 100% of the time now, just maskless Batman because he's been exposed. Right. But in my head, had he been like Batman doing this, I'd been like, oh yeah, he's got something going. But okay. he's just in a gray suit. It's not, it's not, yeah, I don't right. know. But that, that ends that handshake, that Fateful Handshake ends book two on the miniseries. At the beginning of book three, Ooh, yeah. um, we find that this gulag has been constructed in the middle of Kansas. Mm-hmm. And as we um, just mentioned, it houses all the uncontrollable superhumans. It's meant as a penitentiary. Penitentiary. Oh, golly. Thank, I'm glad it's go not just it. me today. Penitentiary. Yes. There we go. But few are penitent, right? Yes. Like, and it's immediately maxed to capacity. Like, mm-hmm. everyone in there is just super... They're hyped, right? Like, yeah. they're in jail. Mm-hmm. They're in superhero jail. And as you mentioned, uh, Scott Free, 
Yes. Was the architect for this. Yeah, he designed cells for all these heroes, so like they're not they're not getting out. Right. There's no way. There's no uh, way. Also, uh, we talked about the uh, UN building being designed after the Justice League's the Super Friends like Hall of Justice. Mm-hmm. This gulag is the design of the Legion of Doom's um, fortress from that same 70s cartoon. Oh, nice. Okay. The next note that I have, mm-hmm. I might have skipped uh, quite a bit, but... We have Boston the Ghost. Boston Brand. Boston Brand. Dead Man. And he is the only character that I will ever <laughs> care about ever again. He, we see him for like one page, maybe one and a half pages. Mm-hmm. And he's just he's traveling just, through the yeah, void. Yeah, the void. He's speaking with Norman McKay. Again, we return to Norman McKay and his prophetic visions. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this. he seems like a really... A uh, nice guy, this Boston brand. Yeah, and very it, encouraging, very goofy. And and they're in the void. Spectre is in the void uh, with Norm McKay, and Norm McKay is just dwarfed by him at this point because mm-hmm. he's giant. Because he's kind of in this in this grouping of some of the quote unquote gods of the DC universe. So you have the High Father, who is the uh, god of New Genesis. You've got uh, one of the Watchers, uh, or not the Watchers, but the um, Guardians from the Green Lantern Corps. Um, Shazam, the white-bearded wizard Shazam, who gives Captain Marvelous powers. Um, the Phantom Stranger, who's uh, really cool, wears a fedora. And the Spectre, the right hand of God. So they're all together. Yes, and they're all like these kind of cosmic beings. And they're basically just saying, nah, hands off, we're not helping. Mm-hmm. Earth, it, it set its fate. There are other worlds to deal with. Um, fuck them. Fuck them. Okay. Wow, strong words mm-hmm. that I don't think are ever I, used. I, I in don't know. This series. I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and I think <laughs> the Guardian is saying "fuck em. like mm. "fuck em." Mm-hmm. It's it's ahead of its time. Surprising. After we move on from this sort of like uh, conversation between Norman and, and Boston, we have Wonder Woman and Superman who are having a heart to heart. Somewhere in space, they're just mm-hmm. like what they're overlooking. They're, the they're Earth. on the the um, Green Lantern has created a satellite. Now the Justice League in the comics, the current comics, do have a satellite called the Watchtower that they use as their base of operations, teleport people up and down, blah blah blah. Um, this is a first version of that. Green Lantern has a kind of a satellite where he watches over everything, and uh, that's where the new, I guess, Justice League hangs. So they're just outside, you know. Chilling in space. <laughs> right. And I think this is where Diana goes into a little bit more detail about um, how she was stripped of her title mm-hmm. um, and sort of what that has meant for her uh, in her sort of like pursuance of justice. Yes. She, and how she chooses to approach uh, handling bad guys. She definitely, uh, while the new breed is, is pushed as, oh, they're, you know, they're killers and stuff. She's become very militant with as far as stopping people. Right. We go from space back down to Earth, mm-hmm. where these tiny little worms yeah. are being put into Captain Marvel's ear by Lex Luthor. Yes, so um, Dr. Savannah is an old, old Captain Marvel villain. Super scientist. Mad scientist. Um, which I think they even make the joke in here, Lex Luthor's saying, uh, did they coin that phrase mentioning him? Um the little worms are a throw to Mr. Mind, who was a little worm 
also a villain oh of gosh. Captain Marvel. A little worm? A little worm. Oh a little gosh. genius worm named I'm... Mr. Mind. Okay, can we, uh, next episode, Yes. just read his I... uh, issues? I... Uh, if it'll we can be, find them. If we can find them. It'll be a patron episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but here we have just like a tiny bat who is watching this happen from the rafters. Mm-hmm. I think it's a robo-bat. Robo-bat. I love it. I have like so many exclamation points after robo-bat <laughs> in my notes. It's just like a goofy little yeah. like spy tech toy, And right? instantly, Bruce has now found out the secret of how Lex has Captain Marvel around. He's already got this whole plan hatch. Okay, so, like, something... I, I feel like this was a part where I was, like, slightly uh, confused. Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne... Okay, so he figures out that uh, Captain Marvel is being controlled by Lex... My, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because I feel like he's having um, Marvel, like sniff some coffee i don't what is going i don't know what's going on in those panels yeah yeah he he's basically just like settling his mind down because all this stuff is happening and so okay so he's having him watch this video this video of him as billy batson a boy Mm -hmm. being destroyed by one of these robot villains that he would fight as captain marvel and he's like saying this never happened and he's like but it could it could happen this Mm -hmm. could have happened and he's He's just putting all these thoughts into his head and then putting the, the worm in there, and it's just causing him to just, okay, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah, basically, Luther has spent years just fucking, like, Billy Batson was a boy, like a 10-year-old boy turning into Shazam, which, Captain Marvel, which in the Shazam movie is the same deal. It's like, that's the funny aspect of it. It's like big, he's a kid, now he's an adult, you know. Oh, okay. And they tell later that, like, this has went on for well the last 10 years Lex mm-hmm. Luthor's been doing this to a kid mm-hmm. telling him these things and just brainwashing him this entire time and now Bruce knows and Bruce is also tricking Lex into building him a bunch more bat bots <laughs> I love it I absolutely love it he's like yeah well, while you're doing it let's get your factories going Oh, yeah, and they're just, like, walking up and down, and you see all these robots. Yes, absolutely. But Lex thinks that he's going to use them to fight superheroes. He's such a (laughs) dum-dum. Even I, an inexperienced comic reader, could see what was going to happen. I find um, this next part to be a a bit unexpected. Mm -hmm. We have the Flash, right, who's, like, can now, like, go in and out of dimensions, not just like around to different places. Yes. He has captured Norman McKay where mm-hmm. he was sort of floating in this liminal space and he has um, sort of brought him smack dab into the middle of a Justice League gathering. Mm-hmm. And so Superman is just like his mind is blown and Norman has difficulty sort of explaining why he's there how he got there, he can really only convey messages like from his visions. Mm-hmm. Like he's using scripture yeah. to explain just, his uh, presence. Just an old man with a cardigan <laughs> amongst costume heroes in space. Yeah, and Superman <laughs> is not pleased because he doesn't believe that this uh, Armageddon is is going to happen. Right? He believes that he'll have the uh, the power to stop it. Yeah, as soon as he says. Um, so Norman's talking to him, and he's talking about catastrophe, and Superman's like, warn me. And then he's just got a look of just 
fucking superiority on his face. Right. Which is so funny because what's that you say? Like, McKay's soothsaying was accurate? <laughs> like, we are informed that a riot has broken out at the gulag. At the gulag. And sort of Superman, at this point, demands control to be taken through peaceful means, mm. boring snooze, while Wonder Woman, yes. Diana comes in hot, and she undermines his authority by saying, like, by whatever means necessary, get these uh, these assholes under control. Mm-hmm. Like, shit needs to be resolved pronto. The way that Superman wants to do it, n- nothing's going to happen. Use force. Be forceful. Yeah, because they even get reports that, like, someone has been killed. Yes. Like, you know, so, and, and then Superman's still just kind of like, oh, it can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you get to see Wonder Woman kind of taking charge. And Superman, Superman calls her out on it a little. But, yeah, like, she, she just pushes care. back quick. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't care. Uh, spoiler alert. After this happens, we learn that Bruce Wayne has double-crossed the MLF, and he orders his gang to attack all those who are involved. Yes, and how do we learn it? Because Bruce punches Captain Marvel in his mouth. Yes, and so, like, something is happening there, right? So, okay, if this were Captain Marvel, if this were Shazam, he would have punched him in the face and broke every bone in his hand and then probably been decimated. He knocked him straight on his ass, which means... This is Billy Batson. Oh, he just punched a 10-year-old boy. No, he's not 10 anymore. That's what I'm saying. Lex, you find out here Mm -hmm. that Lex took him as a kid. Yes. And for the last decade or more has brainwashed him this entire time. And now he's an adult. And he looks like the adult Captain Marvel. But why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't that superhero look like the grown-up version of the boy that turns into him? So this... So this is him without the code word. So this is just an adult man. An adult man. With a worm in his ear. And here we have Bruce Wayne who is chasing after Billy. Yes. Okay, I can call him Billy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. this is Billy at this point. Yeah. Okay. And he, like, crashes into something and more worms fall out of this, like, water tank onto Billy Batson. And he just freaks the shit out. Well, yeah, because, one, they're worms. <laughs> they're and they're worms. not cute, fun superhero worms. <laughs> no. Um... Yeah, I just, like, there's so much action that's, like, happening very quickly yeah. um, in these few pages. And then he screams it out. Sh- Shazam? He says Shazam. <laughs> Shazam! Which, throwback to uh, Gomer Pyle. Oh, is it really? That's why I said Shazam. Uh, oh, oh, that's the thing. Captain Marvel is such an old superhero. Yes. He was Elvis Presley's favorite superhero to the point that Elvis designed a lot of his jumpsuits because of Captain Marvel. Well, Captain Marvel Jr. Because at the time, Captain Marvel was Captain Marvel family. So you had Captain Marvel, you had Captain Marvel Jr., um, you had Miss... I think it's Miss Marvel, the girl, and there were some others. There was like a whole Marvel family, which they, I think they did in that DC film at the end. Like they had the the kids all get powers too or whatever. But but like Gomer Pyle from the Andy Griffith show. He goes Shazam, right? Yes. Yes, that's because of comic books. 
How? Oh, okay. Because at the time when they were filming Andy Griffith, adults didn't really read those. And he's kind of like this simple gas station guy yes. who reads comics like a kid. Whose cousin, Goober. Goober. It's too much. Yes. We have to move yes. on. I could get sucked into a. It's Andy a whole thing. And thing. I think people have turned this episode off at this point. <laughs> no way. Why would they want to? But be ready for. I don't know. It'd have to be some Ernest T. Bass-related uh, rock-throwing name, but we'll have an Andy Griffith watch-through podcast at Ooh, some point. Ooh, I love it. I'm ready for oh, it. no, I was joking, but now we have to. <laughs> but here we have the Green Lantern. It, he appears to warn the Justice League that the prisoners at the Gulag are getting closer to breaching the walls yeah. and that they've killed Captain Comet. Mm-hmm. Who the hell is Captain Comet? I don't know who that is. Just it's not classic but, hero. But it seems that like Wonder Woman, that Diana is like so distraught over this happening. I thought mm-hmm. he would have played um, a much more significant role. I think it was just... They've, they killed they've someone. Killed, they've killed someone, yes. yes. And so she busts the table in two. Yeah, and she's insisting that it's time to deal with the prisoners directly. Yeah. And this, I I love this tiny little panel. Superman says, but you can't have a war without people dying. And everyone behind him is looking so fucking disgusted. <laughs> they are just like, shut up. They like, literally so just had mad. somebody on their side get killed. Right. And like, yeah. it's perfect. I think it's so beautiful because mm-hmm. they are so tired of his like pussyfooting around. Something has to be done. And then there was a kiss devoid of passion. Oh, I saw that. And it's just like, is this the time? Is this really the time for that to be happening? From Wonder Woman wearing gold armor with the wings. Mm-hmm. She puts on the helm later. This is the first time that armor was ever worn. And it has since become an in-canon gear for Wonder Woman. In fact, they put it in the Wonder Woman 84 uh, movie. Nice. Yeah. It's a good look. I like the armored armored Wonder Woman look. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, that was sort of a, a look that I hadn't seen um, before. We ultimately, at the end of uh, this issue, have Bruce and Cal. There's like a showdown mm-hmm. where Superman... Um, he makes the argument that the two of them are more alike than each is willing to admit, right? That like neither one of them want people to die as a result of their actions. So even though they're like constantly, um, you know, sort of at war with each other, they, they both want the same thing. Yeah. So, so Bruce, uh, I think he was going to keep it close to the vest. I think he was, I think the plan was, was to let Luther, do what he's doing with the gulag, breaking it open. Let them take on the Justice League. And then Batman's team come in, clean up the mess. Batman runs the show. But Clark gets through to him. He he tips his hand and lets them know about the gulag. And then Superman disappears, Batman style. And so Bruce is like, oh, that's what that feels like. Because he's known for being a little sneaky boy. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. So it's a little moment of levity. Yeah, a little, a little, a little <laughs> chuckle. It did elicit a small chuckle for me. A little gut buster for you. Yeah, at the end of this um, chapter, we have Captain Marvel, uh, this sort of full page uh, devoted to him. And surprise, he's the harbinger of Armageddon. And he's just like standing very proudly, like a classic superhero stance. Yeah, and I mean, mean, leading up to it, after he leaves the Batcave, you know... um, Superman, he's flying as fast as he can, you know, faster than the speeding bullet. His team's already there, getting ready to throw down. 
And, of course, the, you know, the prison's blown open. And you see Superman, of course, flying. And it's, it's that mindset of, okay, here's Superman. Like, here, okay, he's just going to stop this shit. And then, boom, no. He's, like, knocked flat on his ass. So when you see Shazam... He's, Superman's he covered. So in, Superman's covered in rubble. He's got his hand up in front of his face, you know. And uh, here he is, magic incarnate. If ever there was one, mm, that does make sense. Basically, a, a superhero on the level of Superman, who's based with magic, face to face with the Man of Steel. I guess I didn't. Yeah, that puts a lot of things into perspective. For like, I didn't actually expect. Um, Captain Marvel to play as big a role mm-hmm. as he did in this entire series. So yeah, I mean, putting it, yeah. And sadly, it's a role where he's, I mean, he's just being used. Yes. Used as a weapon, like, you know. And then we, uh, we get to the fourth issue. Yeah, it's the, it's the last, it's, it is it's the, chapter four. The, all the previous uh, issues leading up to this, they had sort of um, artwork that was end of the world destructive, but it was very left up to your interpretation. This is just superheroes fighting. Right. Like the very um, first few pages feature a massive two page battle scene. And it's uh, like so much action it's is so conveyed gorgeous. in such a small space. I know it's beautiful. I didn't, you know, before I started reading comics, I never thought I would just be like blown away by. You know the artistic uh, talent of these folks, and it's just like, oh my god, this is <laughs> this is breathtaking. I really like this two-page spread. But we have the UN classic deciding to take the fight into their own hands mm-hmm. to show all the superheroes who's boss, yep. and they have this uh, meeting where they discuss launching tactical nukes into the heart of the country yes to decimate most if not all of the metahumans who are like in close proximity to the gulag yeah is and, that right yeah and from there from their viewpoint i mean which is luther's viewpoint as well mm-hmm. of course superheroes cause the destruction of most of the midwest literally throwing into chaos food supplies mm-hmm. um now there's a prison that they didn't sanction built there full of these superheroes who have caused all this destruction it's already irradiated pretty much do whatever you want just get rid of the problem just in one fell swoop and they say let's send it's not a horrible plan <laughs> it's not and they say you know let's send one one nuke will be enough and they're like let's send three of them yes. and it's like this really it's a big decision but they decide to send three yeah and this is Norman McKay getting to fully witness the destruction, and you get a full-page spread, finally, finally, of Bruce Wayne decked out in his new bat armor. And it, it just lives up to it. It lives up to what I would want. Alex Ross killed it. It's just very... Uh, it, it's, v- like, very futuristic, yet still very Art Deco Batman style. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. And for these next few pages, there's like a the battle is continuing, right? It's still happening between almost the entire issue. Yeah, of of this straight up throwdowns. Yes, between the folks who are held at the Gulag and um, the Justice League. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a small thing that happens, but there are very some like charged words that are exchanged between Batman and Wonder Woman 
about um, the potentially like necessary use of force to get all of this under control. There's yeah. like reference to bloody knuckles, like something is going yeah. to happen. And, and the thing is, is there is that aspect that Batman and Superman are the same in that Batman doesn't kill either. Right. And so Wonder Woman has just been on a blood frenzy this whole time. So Bruce is like, well, we don't have to kill everybody. And she calls him an aristocratic bastard. I love that part. <laughs> she gets it. We all get it. As they are continuing this argument, they sort of like fly up through the clouds. And this is where Batman and Wonder Woman uh, first catch sight of the tactical nukes. Yeah. They wind up destroying two out of the three. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They, because they the get third two. nuke is still like on the loose. And the third on this drone gets dropped. Yes. And uh, and so yeah. here, Norman McKay uh, is with the Spectre, mm-hmm. and he must make the final decision, right? So here's here's what I have. Uh-huh. Will the nuke be destroyed midair, allowing uh, superheroes to continue their eternal fight against one another? So like mm-hmm. that's option one that yes. Norman has. Or... Will the bomb explode, killing all metahumans and returning power to the people? Well, it comes down to two people that can stop it one way or another. Yes. And that is Superman and Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel. And at this point, they are fighting. And as they're fighting, Superman, who we've talked about, can't stop magic. Mm-hmm. No matter how much he's taking it to Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel just keeps saying... Shazam and blasting Clark with lightning bolts. I just full on charge lightning bolts to the point where Alex Ross paints him almost translucent to show that the light's going through his body so hard. Um, As this nuke drops, things are happening. Superman does what Superman does and he just pushes and pushes and pushes because every time that Captain Marvel says Shazam, he actually turns back into Billy Batson. Aww. And then we says Shazam, he turns back into Captain Marvel. So mm-hmm. that's but the lightning is the thing, like the um signifier of that change. So he's timing his steps and he's taking these lightning bolts until he gets point blank with Captain Marvel. And the last time he says Shazam, he takes the lightning bolt and then puts that iron hand over Billy Batson's mouth. Who's just a human and uh, doesn't let him talk anymore. <laughs> I missed all of that. Like, I just, <laughs> I didn't get it yeah, yeah. naturally. I guess I was just so. It's, it's just like, of, he's just inching his, his like footstep oh, by footstep, okay. closing the gap, just taking, taking these lightning bolts over and over. Because I guess at this point, I was just sort of really caught up in this idea that, like, Norman McKay was the one who had to make a decision. Yeah. Like, at this point, because the Spectre is mm-hmm. so insistent, like, what you choose right now yes. will determine the fate of the entire world. But, and, but it's, 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 it's not playing out through... Through Billy. Billy. Who's been used as, as a device this whole time. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, I was just a little rattled uh, around this yeah. point. And, and so Superman, he's bleeding out of his ears... But he can still hear that bomb falling. And 
the bomb winds up detonating in midair. Yes, and that's because, like, Superman tries to hit it with his heat vision. It bounces right off like it's protected against, well, against Superman, basically. Mm-hmm. And he talks to Billy and um, they, holding his mouth the entire time <laughs> and tells him what he needs to do and then uh, tells him to decide. Okay. And so uh, Billy says Shazam. He whispers it, and then he uh, Superman though has already like went like he, Superman is going to go stop this thing regardless. Yes. Shazam grabs Superman's ankle, throws him back towards the Earth, and then flies toward it, and uh, says his name, causing the lightning bolt to detonate the bomb, but also causing him to turn back to a human, which means he sacrificed himself. All of this was lost on me, and now it's just so much more emotional. I'm so glad this isn't just me mansplaining something the whole time. No, it's really not. I think that there was just so much that was lost in the storytelling for me. Mm -hmm. I say that, but I still, I still love the story, right? Like even though this part was very confusing for me, I got the gist of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe just not on such a granular. Panel the, by panel the thing level. Is the stuff you're talking about. That's how I feel like I read it as a just a partial DC reader. Yes. The first time I read it as a teen, I feel like I missed out on some of that as well. Okay. Well, that uh, comforts me slightly. And then you get the full explosion. Yes. The full nuclear spread. You get the ash afterward. You get that vision, that horrific vision mm-hmm. that Norman has seen in his head of Superman. In the smoke, screaming on his knees. But it's because of all the skeletal corpses. Yeah. Including the giant one. <laughs> At this point, I mean, we learn that there are few survivors. Superman thinks there are none. The, none. None. Yeah, except yeah. for, what, himself? Yeah. Okay, classic Superman. <laughs> um and at this point, he gets justifiably angry at mm. the UN for sort of like forcing the hand of the superheroes, right? Like they had to make a decision. So Superman flies to the UN building mm-hmm. uh, in an attempt to literally kill everyone. It's like he's so full of rage. Yes. He's letting loose his rage. But Norman, oh, God bless Norman McKay. He reappears to urge the importance of Superman's innate goodness. Yes, as Superman is bringing down the ceiling of the UN, about to bring it down onto every to kill everyone Samson style over what they've done. And Norman's like, uh, 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 remember. And I think it's sort of this this callback to. Norman and his sort of like prior existence, or I guess current existence, as a pastor who wants to lead his congregation uh, with like a gentleness, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's why he's encouraging Superman to remember yeah. this sort of way of living that he's always enacted. And, and that hope, that hope that yes. like he's kept all time. And up until, up until really that bomb, Superman was still holding out that same hope. Yes. Uh, misguided. But very much like he believed that things could be turned around. And so we find out again that there are other survivors um, from the explosion. Mm -hmm. And um, the members of the Justice League say something along the lines of like, now that um, things are being restored, 
we will be living among you, not above you. I think that's a a really important takeaway Mm -hmm. at this point of how um, they choose to view themselves. And then Norman and the Spectre go off into the sunset. Classic. And then you get, ooh, Bruce Wayne. Exoskeleton, Darth Vader belt buckle, blue jeans pulled up high with a white Hanes t-shirt. I'm assuming Hanes. Or Gildan, maybe. Just thick as shittiest t-shirt you can get. He's old. Uh, With a red bat symbol tucked into those jeans. I, for one, am slightly turned on by this I'm guessing. I can't tell from this panel, but I'm guessing white New Balance. Wayne Manor has been turned into a rehabilitation center for all the assholes that we've met Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the entire series. All those bat robots have been painted white with red bat symbols, like for medical. No way. Is that what they're doing there? Yeah. But you know that they... uh, They'll just rip your arms off if you act bad. <laughs> and Lex Luthor is looking so salty. Yeah, he's got some type of, like, shock collar situation on. <laughs> That's only natural for yes. me. Um, Diana's title is finally mm. restored. Is this Paradise Island? What is yeah. this called? Okay, it's uh, Yeah, parad- uh, Themyscira. Okay. Yeah. Um, she's back there living her best life. She's back in the good graces of all her... Uh, Sister Amazonians. You also see a bunch of the uh, new breed heroes on Themyscira. Conceivably, they're staying there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magog's there because they're not really in uniform. Uh, one guy spits and Magog smacks him on the back, like show some respect. Um, is it the guy? Is it 666? No, no. This is the guy that's covered in tattoos, but it's an X is all you see of his skin. I don't know. He was one of the German guys' buddies. Oh, I think there's something with, like, Nazi in his title. Probably that's talked so. About yeah, I think that might be a swastika action that I'm looking at. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Mm, you well, are yes. right. Um, uh, Weird uh, choice. <laughs> and before Themyscira 2, you get to see um, Bruce making amends with Dick Grayson, Red Robin, uh, who's recovering as well, and they're shaking hands, which is always nice. It's, always good. That's his first Robin there. We have Superman, Clark Kent, Cal. Um, He is toiling the soil and uh, creating memorials to those who uh, were lost in the fight. Just everybody. Everybody who's ever died in the history of the Earth (laughs) has a little white stone put in place by Superman. Yeah, it's just like sprawling. Um, Diana is there. Mm -hmm. Um, She brings him his humanity back. In the guise of his glasses. Oh, yes, that's right. And he puts him on. He's back to being Clark. He's not Cal anymore. He's Clark. Clark Kent. And then he's like pulling this massive anchor mm-hmm. just on his back. He's going to replant all of the United States uh, farm crops on Single his own. Single-handedly. Which makes me question, if he can do it then, why didn't he just do that in the first place or anywhere else in the world and just uh, stop world But then hunger? we wouldn't have Let's these. It's, it. it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. We finally have Norman McKay returning to the pulpit a changed man right it's Mm -hmm. sort of this like road to damascus conversion end of the story that he has refound uh hope once again which is funny because he's still reading revel he's doing a sermon on revelation Revelation. but in this hopeful aspect yeah i i just love this story arc for him and you know you find him once again sitting by himself uh in a pew right like he's returned to this spot uh, where the specter first met him 
And I just, yeah, it's it's a very nice sort of circular end to the series. Yeah, and uh, amen. Uh, he finishes the sermon. That's the final word on Kingdom Come. Until? <gasps> Until the next page. One year later, <laughs> return to Planet Krypton. One of the waiters has the Superman mullet. And in walks Clark and Diana. Yeah, so we have Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. Again, they all meet up at this themed restaurant. Mm-hmm. It would be it would be like if Schwarzenegger, um, Bruce Willis, and Stallone all showed up at Planet Hollywood to have dinner, and no one recognized them. I would love to be a fly on the wall um, at that Planet Hollywood. <laughs> but I feel like these few pages are really, it's just like, they are healing old wounds. We learn that Diana's pregnant and she asks Bruce to be the godfather. Mm-hmm. And there's this emphasis. He quickly on, says yes. Yeah. Like he's finding, they're trying to find the balance between like a superhuman approach to life mm-hmm. and a more humanistic approach. Um, it's all about reconciliation. This one year later, you know, this ending was a little too twee for me. Like, it was a little too sort of, like, maudlin in that sense. But whatever. It ends on a hopeful note, and I guess that's all you could really ask and, for. And you also get a little shot of the Spectre in his human form with Norman McKay mm-hmm. at Planet Krypton, where they have named food for every superhero. And, um... Spinach and cottage cheese is the specter platter. <laughs> I'm trying to think if that's something that I would eat or have eaten before. Yeah. I don't think I've gone that far. Do you think it's like creamed heated spinach or like spinach leaves and I would say cheese? maybe like a bed of spinach leaves with cottage cheese on top of that with a pineapple ring on top of the cottage oh, cheese. Oh yeah. Definitely an old I bet Norman McKay has eaten quite a few specters in his day. He's just not realizing them. that's what they were called. He was just like that's just an old man meal. I do have cottage cheese in my fridge though. Oh, so yeah. maybe I have more in common with Norman McKay than I would uh, well, hopefully let myself believe. you'll get those visions soon. <laughs> and that's it. We reached the end. And that's it. That's We're Kingdom done. Come. Oh, and, love it. And Kingdom Come. Um, yes, Mark Wade, Alex Ross, just, just killing it. Just killing it with this awesome tell of a possible future for DC. Um, and, of course, this thing was so influential that for a while it was becoming the future for DC. And once they decided that I think that they were going to do the new 52, which was kind of the soft reboot of everything, they went full on towards the Kingdom Come universe because they knew it it didn't have to stay that way. So they were going that way with it. Um, the Superman symbol, the uh, basic just red line with the black background has been used um, several times in the comics and is currently being used in the Superman and action comics as Cal's um, logo. He's been imprisoned on War World. They've given him that logo uh, to fight in the arenas. He's wearing it now. I think that he's back on Earth uh, because he's kind of passed the original Superman logo over to his son, Jonathan Kent. Um, yes, just the designs from this. Uh, Batman wearing the exoskeleton. Batman having the bat drones. They've done all this stuff together. It's just... Yeah, so much. The like I say, the Wonder Woman armor, you've seen it in Wonder Woman 84. It's just a highly, highly, highly influential DC comic storyline. And um, I'm glad that you got a chance to read it. I am too. Okay. 
Yes. I mean, we have to give it a rating, mm-hmm. naturally. I don't think we have to do anything like fancy this time, I, unless you have a great rating system. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, let's do um, gross wiggly earworms. Ooh, okay. I would give it five out of five gross wiggly earworms. I loved it that much. I also give it five out of five wow. gross wiggly earworms. It is. I think currently the highest rated comic we've done so far. Yeah. So, oh man. Now I'm, I'm very proud that I get to say that I have read Kingdom Come. And now I'm really looking forward to reading Marvels in the future. Mm-hmm. And we will. Uh, along with tons of other stuff. Because as you've seen from our previous episodes, we are doing classic stories. We are doing current running series. We are doing fun stuff. We are doing everything. So be sure, of course, to tune in with us again for Comic Virgin to see what Delaney will be reading next for her very first time. And, of course... Hit up our Instagram at Comic Virgin Pod. In the bio, there is a link for our link tree where you can find us everywhere online. And of course, you're listening to us one way or another. But uh, hey, we are on Spotify and we are on Apple Podcast. If you listen to us on Apple Podcast, uh, please, by all means, give us a five-star rating and then write something about the show. Write a review because we are going to start reading those reviews on coming episodes if you're on spotify of course give us a follow and give us a five star on there as well we'll love you so much for it so much like the love between superman and wonder woman a dispassionate kiss (laughs) see you guys later bye